Woo! So, yesterday, I was hanging out with Sean, unfortunately. But I got Debbie too, so that was a benefit. But Debbie had told me something that was so inspiring yesterday. She said, think of first service as your uh, trial run that's recorded. And that everyone will see. <laughs> so very encouraging. <laughs> so I, I'm so encouraged right now. So if I mess up, you can stay for second service and see how that one goes. And then I might mess up worse. So we'll try that. No. <laughs> um, well, my name's Xavier. As you guys probably know, it's been said a few times. Um, I have been at this church now for a little over a year. Uh, my wife and I started going right before COVID, and then COVID hit, and then we were stuck at home. And I grew out my beautiful hair that was amazing and did not look like a helmet at all. Um, <laughs> and we also didn't, we made me a mohawk. That's right, yeah. I had enough hair to make a mohawk, which was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, so I've been here at about for, for over a year now. Um, I've been the next-gen pastor here for almost a year now. It's been crazy. It's gone so fast. Um, yeah, wow. It's kind of just weird to think about because I remember when I first was talking to Sean about it, I was like, oh yeah, this is like, it feels like it's, it's like going to be so long till, till it feels like I'm home here. But like it's, already, it's been like nine months or so, and I feel like this is my home. <laughs> so it's been awesome. Um, I work with your teenagers, which is great most of the time. I'm, lo <laughs> I'm looking at you, Grace. <laughs> no, but I love it. It's awesome. Um, they're entertaining, to say the very least. The, the things I hear and the, the sentences I have to say out loud, you never think, like you say it and you're like, you know, I went to... To Bible school for this, and I did not know I was going to have to say that sentence out loud. <laughs> didn't know, yeah. Didn't know I had students that could catch lizards either. That's impressive. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, I grew up in Merced, California, so if you don't know where that is, if you drive south and smell cow poop, you're almost there. Um, it's an awesome place filled with great Mexican food, so when I moved to Redding, I was greatly disappointed. Um, <laughs> every time I go home, I literally eat nothing but tacos, like not going to lie. Like it, Sophie gets annoyed with me because I'm just like, okay, when are we going to Ramon's tacos? And she's like, do we have to? And I'm like, you know, we have to. Xavier, this is your sixth round. I don't care. <laughs> I'll go 10 more and I'll still want it. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Merced, California. Uh, what else about it? I mean, honestly, I summed it up. Mexican food and cow poop. That's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Um, it's a great place. I um, started going to church when I was like 10 years old. So I was at that church ever since I, well, when I went back to, or when I went to college, that's when I left. Um, but yeah, so let me think. Is that all? Yes, indeed. I'm an enjoyer of great puns, um, terrible jokes. I'm a super awkward person most of the time. Anytime you interact with me when I'm not like prepared to interact with people, it, it, I, I'm just weird. <laughs> so you'll see that awkwardness today. It'll be fun. I'm already feeling it. It's great. 
It's so good. <laughs> the high schoolers and middle schoolers know it pretty well. They see me and they, yeah, I, I'm surprised I haven't said anything wrong yet because <laughs> on accident. Um, but yeah, I wanted to kind of tell you guys of a quick story to like kind of start off. Um, so have you guys ever broken a bone? Yeah. Yeah. For those of you that have, it's, it's not fun, right? Like, um, oh, whoa, lights. <laughs> so when I was in fifth grade, right, there was a field day. I don't know if they still do them in elementary school, but it's like the last day of school and you have this nice, like fun field day where they like have all these awesome games and all this stuff. And it's really like, oh, it was so fun. And I like to pride myself on my intelligence. Um, and we were playing tug of war, right? And I, you know, my right hand's not very useful in tug of war to say, yeah, it's fair to say. Um, but I decided at the end of the ropes, there was these loops, right? The like end of the rope loop. And I decided, you know what, to get the best grip I possibly can, I'm going to put this hand in that loop, grab on and pull. So it was awesome for the first like 30 seconds, right? Like I'm pulling with all my might, we're winning. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but these fifth graders on the other side got the strength of like 30 year old men <laughs> and they just yanked us like hard. Like I flew off of my feet, landed with my arm like this. And when it was like this, <laughs> a kid fell on it <laughs> and right here, just snapped. And my eyes like went black almost. And I didn't know that was almost blacking out. I just thought I was like, whoa, that was kind of weird. Like I didn't even feel pain with it for a minute. I was just kind of in shock as you would be when a, another larger child falls on your arm and breaks it. Um, <clears throat> I remember if you guys haven't seen Harry Potter, there's like a scene in one of the movies where they take all the bones out of his arm and his arm's like kind of wiggling like jelly. That's how my arm was kind of moving when it was broken. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. And then I like immediately started freaking out. And I was like, wait, does your arm heal? Like what happens when you break a bone? I had no idea. I never broke one before. I just thought like, okay, is my arm just forever broken? Like it's just going to wiggle like this forever? Like it, that'll make running awkward. Like <laughs> just like, <laughs> but so, you know, breaking an arm is not fun. You kind of, like, all the things you normally could do pretty easily are now, like, impossible. Or, like, they take an extra set of thinking. Like, you can't just, you know, do it normally like you once would. You, like, try to do it with whatever arm's broken, and you realize, oh, hey, you know, there's a cast on here. I can't do that. Or even taking, like, a shower or, like, regular things like eating and stuff. Like, they're all difficult because you have a broken bone. Uh, things you used to be able to do are no longer as readily available. Like, you just can't do them. Um, and it kind of leaves you with a sense of brokenness. Like, you feel like you're broken because, you know, the way you worked before isn't there anymore. You don't work the way you used to. Um, and today, this morning, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about brokenness. And there's lots of forms of it. But there's one that I want to share with you guys that's very personal to me, physical brokenness. I clearly have a disability. If you didn't see it, then you might want to get your eyes checked. I don't, 
I don't know, because uh, it's pretty easy to see, I think. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, I'll tell you a little bit about this disability. So, when I was in the womb, I don't know how to say that, because it just feels awkward to say it any way I've tried. Uh, my arm got stuck behind my back, and as I grew, it kind of got squished in the back of my mom's womb. So, it looks like it's squished, because it was squished. Um, it's a fancy science word called arthrogryposis. I think I'm saying that right. If I'm not mom, let me know. Uh, she's not here. She's in the camera. <laughs> so watch this later. <laughs> Got to be careful with what I say. Um, but arthrogryposis, it basically means some of the muscles and some of the um, just that kind of stuff didn't develop the way they should have in my arms. Um, and when I was born, my mom told me that my grandma saw me and thought I looked like a baby bird with a broken wing. Um, and that's kind of how I've always thought of myself, as broken. Um, growing up, I couldn't do things as easily as you guys could, for the most part. Um, anything you could normally accomplish on your own were difficult things for me. So putting on clothes by myself, that took a lot of work. <laughs> it wasn't as easy as just doing it. Like I had to figure it out. I actually did this crazy thing with my feet. Like I could pull my shirt off with my foot because I was super flexible at the time. Uh, but like just things like that weren't as easy. Putting on deodorant, impossible. That was bad in middle school, but <laughs> um, there was just all these normal things. And even thinking ahead to the future, right? Like driving, driving <laughs> with one arm that I can't really do much is a very difficult thing. Um, like even, this one sounds silly, but pouring ketchup in restaurants, like that's difficult for me because I have to kind of stand up to do that. Like I can't just grab the bottle and squeeze it. I have to kind of get leverage over it. Uh, there's so many normal things that you do that I probably have to do some tricky way to do it. Um, reaching on top shelves, like I, I could go on and on. Everything I've learned has to be, or had to be really like trained in me. Like I couldn't just do it naturally. I had to figure it out. Um, so because of that, I always looked at myself or thought of myself as the kid that was looked down on by others because I couldn't do what normal kids could. I couldn't play sports that normal kids could play. I couldn't participate in most of the things everyone else could do with no problem or I had to really think about it or I had to worry that I would get embarrassed or that you know, there are so many things that went along with that. Um, I felt like an outcast, to be honest, and that I was less than others. I was broken and I couldn't be fixed. So I remember when I started going to Sunday school, um, we learned about this awesome guy named, named Jesus. I don't know if you know about him. He's pretty cool. Um, but when I was there, we learned about the incredible things he had done for others and that he, that he actually like healed people. And that kind of made me upset. And I didn't fully understand that until I started reading stories like um, the one we're going to read right now. So if you guys have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 12, 9 through 13. If you don't, I will read it. All right, I'll give you guys a couple seconds. So, starting at verse 9, it says, Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, 
And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So, you might be asking yourself, why would the story make me upset? Well, the story talks about a man with a shriveled hand, that he had something similar to me. He probably experienced many of the same feelings that I did. I mean, growing up in a culture that's all about your ability to do things and not being able to do things would bring a lot with you, right? Um, you can't work like other people can. You usually just had to be a beggar. You couldn't like live life on your own. And the crazy thing was, is that Jesus went out of his way to heal him. Um, he went to him and healed him, even though he was a person you should have just felt pity towards, that you should have just felt bad for, that, um, yeah, that he was just, he was broken. And Jesus healed him. He made him new. He fixed him. He was good. And that was just crazy to me, right? Like this happened to somebody, but Jesus didn't heal me. I was still broken. And I knew it was possible to be healed because I, I read about it. I had heard about it. And because of that, I would constantly pray to God, asking him why I wasn't good enough to be healed. I felt like in the verses, the sheep that fell into the well but was just left. And that it didn't matter. It's like, okay, you're there. Brokenness is a universal experience that we all share. Like many of you have already known or experienced, there are many forms of it that aren't just physical. Um, you might have a broken family that no longer speaks to each other or that is filled with hate. You may have a bro broken relationships that were once thriving, but they're now in decay. You might not feel good enough or holy enough to do anything God calls you to. You might not feel smart enough. You might feel like an outcast and that nobody cares about you. You might feel too poor to help anyone other than yourself. And you might feel like you can't do great things because of the kind of brokenness that you have. The crazy part about all of these areas of brokenness is that if you don't fix it at the source, it spreads to every other aspect of your life. So where did the brokenness start in our world? Well, we've actually been kind of, we're getting there. Maybe next year we'll get there. Um, <laughs> he's only like a chapter or so away. <laughs> um, but in Genesis, when sin entered the world, um, when we chose sin over God, brokenness came from a choice. And that choice affects us every day, and it affects every single area of our lives. Our spiritual brokenness is where all other forms of brokenness begin. 
So sin caused brokenness that affected even some of the greatest people in the Bible, some of the greatest followers of God. So some of them like Moses, King David, and Paul. So let's, let's take a second to talk about them, right? So Moses, Moses killed a man. He had a speech impediment. And he had to go against the family that raised him. I don't know if you like, have ever thought of that. Like, you know, he was raised by the Egyptians. He had to go against the Egyptians. He went against the family that he grew up with. It wasn't like a, you know, oh, he turned one day and he's like, oh, that's the enemy. Like, we're against them. Like, that was his family. David was an adulterer, and he killed the friend to be with that guy's wife. And Paul killed and persecuted many Christians in horrendous ways in the name of God. And I think it's safe to say that all of these men experienced and knew brokenness. They knew it well. They had been broken Uh, And at the same time, these men were all incredible followers of God. They're ones we still talk about today. And we don't talk about them. We don't, they're not great because of the things they accomplished, but because in their brokenness, they chose to lean on God. So throughout my life, I have constantly had to lean on God, despite my own feelings of brokenness. Um, my disability has always made me feel like I'm not good enough, but especially with my call to ministry. So I wanted to share with you guys my call. Um, when I was in high school, about, I think it was 15, um, I had kind of gotten to this point in my life where I was like, okay, you know, everyone's asking me what I'm going to do with my life. What am I going to do with my life? So, I spent like months praying to God every day, just asking him, okay, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what do you want me to do? Where am I supposed to go? I want to do what you are leading me to. And I got no answer for a while. And then one day, coming home from a Bible study with my mom, I was sitting in the back seat, and in my head (laughs) came two words that scared me to death, and I immediately said no to. Youth pastor. And I heard that, and I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, it's probably just the voices again. <laughs> Don't need to worry about that. And I kind of sat there and I was like, you know what? Like, no, it was not that. It was, it was, it was a fluke, whatever. And it kept bothering me on that drive. <laughs> and I was like, ah, okay, maybe I should maybe I should text my youth pastor and like ask him to hang out and maybe talk to him. And then he can like laugh at me and be like, oh yeah, you thought you could do that? (laughs) Good. Um, So I texted him. I was like, hey, Joel, can we hang out? I got to talk to you about something. And he was probably thinking it was going to be the talk. (laughs) But it wasn't. (laughs) Uh, But on the way, so the next day is when I was hanging out with him. And on the walk to his house, I was kind of just deciding in my head, I was like, you know what, there's no way I could ever be youth pastor. Why am I going to bring it up? It'll just be a joke. So I I was like, all right, not going to do it. We're just going to talk about other things. I don't know. And when I was at his house, we were just hanging out, talking. And then eventually there was like this awkward silence for both of us. 
And that whole time, I was just like, in my head, say it, say it, say it. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then eventually, I was just sitting there. And he probably, like, I I probably looked weird because I was, like, having this internal argument in my head. And I was like, Joel, I think I'm supposed to be a youth pastor. And then he, like, smiled at me. He didn't say anything. And I was like, okay, the laughter's coming. It's going to be here. And then he sits on his counter. He pulls out his phone and starts looking through it. And I was like, okay, he's going on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram to post about how dumb I am. Cool. (laughs) I'll see that later. (laughs) And he actually pulls out this note that he wrote a year before I talked to him, like a year before this. And it showed the timestamp and everything. And it was this really long letter to me that was about all these incredible qualities he saw in me. And then at the end of it, it said, Xavier, I think you have what it takes to be a youth pastor. And then I was like, (laughs) 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 and I was just like, no. (laughs) And I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I'm too broken to do this. Like, I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. I've seen what a youth pastor has to do. I can't do it. There's nothing about that I can do, I can accomplish. I have a disability. I can't help anyone. I can't even help myself most of the time. How can I do this? Now, the funny thing is when, uh, when God gives you a call, he doesn't leave you alone about it. <laughs> at, at least for me, he didn't leave me alone. Um, so, you know, for a while, I kind of kept this to myself. I didn't want to tell anyone that I felt this call in my life. I was just like, maybe if I ignore it, it'll go away. Um, and I remember at one night of our youth group, um, one of my friends was struggling a lot with something we had talked about. So I went up to her, and I hung out, and we talked. And then afterwards, I prayed for her, and then I went on my way. And I went and was, like, talking to my youth pastor. Never told her anything about this desire or this calling on my life. And all of a sudden, she comes up to me and my youth pastor and is like, Hey, Joel, I think Xavier's going to be a youth pastor. And I was like... And I was like, why'd you say that? (laughs) This isn't what I want to do. And it was just like this constant battle with me that I just felt I was too broken, that I was too messed up, that there was nothing I could do that was right. So why would I have this call? And that continued. I stayed faithful and actually did go to Simpson University and I did my um, youth ministry degree there. But the whole time I did it, I just kind of thought, like, no, you know, like, even though I'm doing this, like, there's no way I'll be ready for it. Like, I'm still too broken. I still have my disability. How can God use my disability in this situation? How can he use any of my broken parts in this situation or in that, um, in this area of life? So I kind of just sat with it. I just kind of was like, yeah, it'll happen eventually. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. And then uh, one day, Sophie and I, we had decided that we were going to come to this church. And the day that we came was the first day that Sean announced to you guys that they were looking for a next-gen pastor. <laughs> and I sat there and heard it, and I was like, huh, I wonder... I was like, nah, (laughs) that's a good one, huh? Because I'm standing here today. Uh, But Sophie and I, on our way home, we were like already on the freeway heading home. And 
we were talking, and she was like, oh, what did you think of the service? And I was like, oh, yeah, it was good. I, like, I don't know how I feel about that Sean guy. Like, <laughs> seemed too full of himself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so Sophie's like, hey, did you, like, feel something when they talked about needing the youth pastor position? And I was like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and in my head, I was just thinking, like, you know, before that, I was like, okay, you know, if this happens, that would be cool. But, like, I, again, I'm still too messed up. I can't do anything right. I'm physically broken. How can I do this? And every step of that way, I was doing that. And I was like, okay, first of all, actually, I think I'm in the good. Because our plan originally before this was actually to move to SoCal. And Sophie was going to get her doctorate, and I was going to find some cool beach church to be a part of and, you know, like, surf while preaching the gospel. That would be fun. <laughs> but, so I was like, you know, we're in the clear, because Sophie's not going Sophie's not going to do this. Like, I don't have to worry about it. And then Sophie said, yeah, I think, I think you need to talk to the pastor. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll email him. Sounds good. Yeah, like, we'll just email him, see what happens. We didn't email him. We turned the car around, and we drove back to the church. And then I went up to Sean, and I said, hey, I don't know if this is anything, but I feel like I was kind of drawn back here to talk to you about that youth pastor position. And he was like, oh, yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then I ended up hanging out with him later that week, and then we talked, and that was like, I just sat and waiting, and then COVID hit, and then we were just waiting. And all that time, I was still thinking, I was like, you know, I'm going to apply, but there's no way that I'm going to get any further than the application, because again, too broken, too messed up. And then I got the call for the interview, and then I got call for the meeting students, and then I got a call that I got the position. <laughs> And that whole way, I fought it. <laughs> I still followed God, but I didn't feel like I would ever get to this position. God brings hope and healing to our brokenness, but it requires a hard choice that you have to make all the time. And that choice is you have to choose whether or not you will get out of your hopeless or broken place and go to God with all of your broken self. So when I chose to go to God with my brokenness, he didn't heal me physically. Um, I'm still broken in that sense. But he did heal me in another sense. God healed me spiritually when I gave my whole life to him. And he showed me that our bro brokenness does not stop his work. God showed me that my disability isn't a hindrance, but something that can touch the lives of others through him. So if you'll open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9, we're going to look at what that says. Oh, wait, 8 through 12, sorry. Or 10. I said three different wrong things. Oh, well. All right, so starting at verse... Wait. Yeah, eight. Sorry. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming... 
conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, the messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Your brokenness does not mean that you are unable to follow God and live your life for him. We see in this that in the midst of Paul's suffering, he recognizes that leaning on God is his best option. God works through our weaknesses and our brokenness. Our healing may not look like what you want it to be or what you expect it to be, but God will still use you in incredible ways. So, this leaves then, how do you practically lean on God in your brokenness? Well, (laughs) there's this awesome thing called the relationship, and we have it with God. We get to talk to him. We get to ask him to be there with us. And we have that constant communication we can be in with him. So use it. Talk to God about your brokenness. Talk to God about what you're going through. Uh, Don't just... Don't just do it by yourself. Another thing is read scripture, right? We talked about a couple examples of broken people that God used in incredible ways. Spoiler alert, the entire Bible is filled with them. You got lots of stories to read that can show you that no matter what kind of brokenness you have, that God can use it. Another is if you look to your left and you look to your right, you have people. We have community. God put us here with other people. They may have experienced some form of brokenness that you have already gone through and that you can help them work through. You have people around you that can help point you to God in times that you feel like he's not there. That's why we have each other. So talk to them around you about your brokenness so that you, don't, you know that you're not alone. And last, don't feel like your brokenness disqualifies you, that you can't do what God calls you to do because you're broken, because we all are, and God still calls us. One of my friends told me this thing. He told me all these, like, lame statements, but this one always stuck with me. He said, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I always thought that was an incredible thing because I never felt qualified. (laughs) And I still don't. But God still can use us. Um, Worship team, if you guys want to come up. Just a couple last points as they get ready. Um, So let's take a second and look back at Moses, David, and Paul. Right. So Moses, despite all of his broken areas, led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. David despite all of his brokenness, is still known as a man after God's own heart and was one of the most faithful kings to God. Paul, the only reason we know 
Jesus and get to talk about him and have all these awesome books is because Paul spread it to people that weren't Jewish. He spread it to the world. And despite my own brokenness, I'm a youth pastor after years of never believing I ever could be. And I get to share my story with all of you. So I want to encourage you all to recognize that God is here with you and wants you to choose him when you are broken. So take some time during worship to reflect on your own brokenness and to go to God with it. And then see what he can do with your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who redeems. You're a God who calls, but you're a God who empowers. And I thank you for the fact that you don't leave us here alone. You don't leave us in our brokenness. You don't leave us to try to figure it out by ourselves. Thank you that you are a God who created. And then when we messed it up, you sent your son. And when your son was done with his work, you sent your spirit to be with us every moment. Lord, I pray that you would continue just to drive home this amazing truth that we are not alone, that in our brokenness, you're with us, that it's not always about getting rid of the brokenness because you can work even in the brokenness and through the brokenness. But I pray that we all would stop looking at ourselves, stop looking at the limits that we see and instead just get our eyes on Jesus and follow him wherever he leads, trusting that he can do it through us. Philippians chapter 4, 10 and following, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through you, through Christ, who strengthens me. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless, and great message, Xavier. Thank you so much. Awesome.